It's time for Taking Care of Business on Midlands 103. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Midlands 103. Hello and a good evening. It's Tuesday the 5th of December. I'm Ronan Berry and you're very welcome to Taking Care of Business here on Midlands 103. What have I got coming up for you this evening? Locally locally grown real Christmas trees are a highly sustainable option for decorating our homes. Cahal Lockman has been supplying the Midlands market since he was around eight years old, so he knows a thing or two about it and he'll tell us all we need to know about real homegrown Christmas trees just a little bit later. Also, Ballycumber Christmas Lights has raised major funding to light up the Offaly village over the last couple of years. And they're back. They started last year with the Christmas market. It's back again this year. And you know what? Given what I've seen so far, it could be one of the biggest ones in the country. It's a phenomenal story. So later on this evening, Sean Kennedy will be able to tell you all about what's happening in, in, in Ballycumber over the next couple of days and indeed this weekend. Also, I'll be joined by former RTE Midlands correspondent Kieran Malouli. His new book, The Future Is Now, offers unique insights into life in Ireland's heartland. And of course, it's gathered story. he's gathered stories over his 30-year career with the state broadcaster. He's also a major supporter of the Just Transition Fund and indeed always highlighting the opportunities it offers for regional development. So Kieran will be long lately to look at that. It was very interesting given what we learned today around the the data gathered in the latest census there around transport as well and how people commute and travel and work and, and you know, not using public transport, etc. Again, let's have a look at that under the lens of the Midlands and indeed maybe how the Just Transition Fund can be used to help us develop that. So plenty coming up on the show. If you want to join the conversation, please, as always, best way to get me is here in the studio by text or WhatsApp on 083 103. That, of course, is powered by the home of Offaly's top-selling car brand, Lamb Brothers Toyota, on the Arden Road in Tullamore. But uh, first, I'm going to go across to Athlone and um, a company that are no strangers on this show, but uh, Mercer's Technologies. They were established, it has established itself as a leading player in the immersive technology space. In 2022, um, the team won the National Manufacturing Awards Best Training and Development Programme, as well as the Irish Times Innovation Awards category New Frontiers. They've picked up many other accolades, both nationally and locally. But actually, last Friday, they came home with a pretty major one. They took the top prize in the virtual reality category of the 2023 European Technology Awards held in Paris last Friday night. Now, according to the European Technology Awards website, using the low-code VR platform developed by Mercer's can standardise specialised training processes and reduce costs by enabling businesses to create VR training in-house. So major moves being made in the VR space. Mercer's is a business I have a, a deep affection for. They're a collaborative of great people who just know what to do with special and who are on a journey to disrupt the world of industrial training and have a whole load of fun doing it. I'm delighted to be joined now by co-founder and uh, Chief Technology Officer Dermot Condren. Dermot, have you come back down to earth yet? <laughs> uh, slowly now, Ronan. Thanks very much for having us on. Not at all. An absolute pleasure because like, I've, I've tried to touch on it there in my introduction. It's companies like yourselves that really, you just lead the way. You show what can be done here from a base in the Midlands and making big name for yourselves across all industry. What was it like last Friday night, I suppose, when your name was called out as the winner of that European award? Uh, to be honest, it was a bit surreal now. Uh, it's great to get this type of recognition at the European level. Um, we're very grateful for everyone that's got us to this point. I, I remember a few years ago uh, with yourselves in Midlands 103, um, you guys uh, gave us some airtime, and from that we got our first VR developer. 
from an interview that we had done with Albert years and years ago. So ever since now, we've been going from strength to strength. And to be honest, uh, when the European Technology Awards uh, Committee got in contact with us, we weren't sure if they were for real. <laughs> uh, but Jeff went and rang the Ritz Hotel to make sure that the event was happening. And sure, we went from there. <laughs> That's true. And, and it's understandable too, I suppose, we get so many calls and, and potentially misleading things that if you see an email coming through purporting to be an award ceremony, fair play to you for checking it out and doing the due, doing the due diligence <laughs> yeah. on it. What was it, I suppose, specifically? What was it about the, the platforms you're developing? You can go into a little bit of detail on them as well that, that maybe caught the attention of the awards and indeed led you to taking home that top award. Well, look, I suppose what we've been trying to do and, and a way that we've been differentiating ourselves is that we've been building a platform slowly and shortly over the last few years. Um, as you've mentioned, like we're, we're looking to standardise how VR is created. Um, and essentially, we're trying to build something that's scalable for any type of organisation. Um, so we're really looking at the ways that we can create something that is both useful for a site but also could be used across multiple sites across the world. Uh, so really, it's we're, we're thinking about scale first and how can we improve on that. And uh, as well as that, we really focus on the trainee's um, journey, essentially from start to finish. Um, how do we best equip them? Um, how do we make their training as purposeful and as interactive as possible? Um, one of the big things that we do with clean room training, for example, is uh, people have a lot of anxiety. They haven't entered into a busy clean room before, so they're very conscious of making mistakes. So our platform essentially allows them to make all the mistakes that they want in the virtual, and from their mistakes, slowly they'll build up that uh, resilience and build up that kind of know-how and knowledge to a point where they're now ready to move on to their real world training. And you can you can take that, you can replicate that in VR, then effectively any environment. So if it was you know, a highly dangerous turbine, maybe motor engine that somebody had to access, you can actually recreate that in VR to allow that person to be trained on it. Exactly, yeah. So we, we try to make our experiences as realistic uh, to real life as possible. The more realistic, the better. Um, it just, it, it takes it from traditionally what would be maybe a three-hour PowerPoint to actively getting them to participate in the training uh, scenario so that when they then turn and go to the real-world scenario or if they start working in a clean room, they're really, really familiar with what they need to do. Absolutely. Of course, anybody, if anybody's familiar with clean rooms, they'll know like the whole gowning up process. It, it can be very disorienting for somebody, particularly a new person going in. So recreating that in VR. When, when it comes to looking at VR application, then in terms of, sort of developing those those models or those those replicas of, of of a lab or whatever scenario it is, have you found much kind of development in that in terms of maybe the training time or the time it takes to develop that now versus when you first started? Like, and is that is that a kind of key part to, I suppose, what is allowing you to be leaders in this space? That is a key part of it because uh, beforehand there's 101 different ways to create a training scenario. Um, but if you want to scale it, we have to standardize that to one way of doing it. Um, there's no point recreating the same application over and over again. Um, what we would much prefer to do is focus on the training content itself. So we constantly build up the assets that we're building uh, that can be reused in the next one. Um, any t- type of interactions that we would use for previous projects, 
gets brought into the next version. So it's it's about focusing on the important parts and having the platform to deal with everything else. But it also like it incorporates, you know, the user's peripheral vision too. like if there's something dropped behind them, they can kind of sense that or see it and hear it like it brings in sounds. It brings pretty much every element of being in an environment into the VR. Yes. So the virtual is not just the, the visual. We also rely heavily on audio. So spatial sound, being able to understand what's going around the user is very important too. Um, and we've done a lot of work on spatial audio to ensure that the trainee knows exactly what they need to be doing. Um, and as well as that, we, we take the trainee uh, through different modes of play. So we have an explainer mode that has visual and audio cues, but then we strip that away and get them to practice without it. So essentially, we kind of, um, through the platform, we can see if the trainee really does know the training content. What a fantastic way of giving somebody that immersion in it before actually they, they enter that environment. From the, the feedback from, from clients and customers, have you kind of any, can you give us any kind of indicative stats around, you know, the time in terms of training? Does it reduce the training time? Does it, you know, does it create employees that are more likely to stay in the roles then because they're more familiar straight away? Like what kind of, what sort of stats are you getting back from, from industry? Yeah, a lot of stats is kind of like um, we're reducing training time down by 75%. Um uh, more importantly, we're reducing their wastage. So uh, one particular client were building catheters and they found uh, in a comparison study that they had 50% less wastage uh, from that. Um, it's, it can be difficult to, to get all the, I suppose, analytics from the, the real world. Uh, sometimes the clients might want to tell you exactly how good it's going, but uh, for the most part, we've been getting really, really high results um, but a lot of our clients actually care more about the anxiety uh, levels of the employees. Um, and they're, they're really finding that this is helping reduce anxiety across the board um, so that they're coming in to a point where right now I can focus on the main areas of training now that I know the basics and I understand my environment. Well, if you, even on that first number you mentioned there, if you get reducing a training time by 75%, I know in a lot of industrial applications, you could be looking at at least six to eight weeks for people for basic training yeah. to go onto production line or to go into a clean room. And if you're knocking 75% off that, that is that is significant. What does this award do for you, I think? What's, what's it going to do? Are the phones off the hook the last couple of days? Like surely it's going to garner a lot of interest from right across Europe for you now. It gives us that recognition that we need. Like we're we're constantly, I suppose, trying to prove ourselves when we talk to clients. Um, and the awards that we've got in the past have been really good in kind of our journey. But this this kind of brings us to the next level. Um, it, it's we can we can talk about the the reduction in training times and the reduction in wastage, but it really comes down to still having to prove what's the ROI of this. Uh, training piece and our immersive is the company that will be able to achieve this for us so having that type of recognition just it's really important for our story and it's look at it, it's well earned and it's it's totally deserved too because ultimately at your core you're creating something spectacular there right in that loan you've stuck to the home the home country the home counties and uh, that in turn is, is massive. Like later on, I'll be talking to Kieran Maluli about how we can you know, continue to create employment and economic prosperity around the Midlands. Companies like yourselves are playing a huge part in that. Dermot, to yourself, to Jeff Allen and to Brenda Mannion as well and all the team at Mercer's. Massive congratulations to you and uh, enjoy the celebrations. Thank you very much, Roland. Talk to you soon.
Bye-bye. Dermot Condon there is the Chief Te- Technical Officer with Mercer Technologies. Mercer's.io is their website. Check them out. Um, you know, fantastic recognition. As Dermot points out, they've, they've picked up many awards the last couple of years, all of which have been you know, major milestones for the major markers in their journey. But picking up that European award is um, absolutely phenomenal. The 2023 European Technology Awards last Friday in Paris, and they picked up the award for their VR training technology. Well, well done to everybody there. Now, time for a quick break. After that, we're going to talk all things Christmas trees. Not just any Christmas trees, but real Christmas trees. Talk to you in a second. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Still to come on the show this evening, I'll be talking to Kieran Maluli, the former RT Midlands correspondent, about his new book, The Future Is Now. He offers insights into life in Ireland's heartland, as in the Midlands, um, you know, with, with lots of kind of stories and anecdotes taken from his 30-year career. Kieran, as you will know too, is also kind of a big driver and promoter of the Just Transition Fund as a, as a means and a mechanism to increase employment in the area and to create opportunities for not just our young people, but for everybody involved. So looking forward to seeing um, what Kieran has to say on that. And then little bit later on you're here all about the Ballycumber Christmas lights they're having a Christmas market this coming weekend and uh, the number of stalls at it is quite uh, astounding for a little village of its size so I'm uh, looking forward to sinking my teeth into that one a little bit later but it is the season and all that and um, a lot of people with young kids probably have a Christmas tree up already such as the pressure that comes on us all now with the toy show looming and that however many people are really a little bit more traditional they're only getting around to putting Christmas trees up now and, uh, you know, you might have thought five, ten years ago there was a, probably a big swing towards artificial trees. And then, you know, they kind of get a bit worn. People might throw them out to buy a new one. But actually, what's really interesting was there is a huge swing back towards real Christmas trees. And at a time, you know, I suppose COP28 has taken place uh, this week. But at a time when people are very focused on sustainability and, you know, where the, the, the where stuff is actually coming from, you know, there are many suppliers out there that do Irish-grown Christmas trees and one person that does that is Cahill Lockman and many probably know Cahill from Lockman Landscaping but uh, Cahill surprisingly now he's about to say he's the same age as myself right so he's, he's not an old man by any means I think he's been selling Christmas trees for for over 35 years now Cahill how is that possible? Thanks for having me on <laughs> um, I started back I suppose back in the 80s my father would have been doing what I was doing I have a landscaping business here in town so I've followed in his footsteps I think every Every step he took, I'm taking now, but um, just got a bit farther. Myself and the two brothers, when we were younger, we used to go to Christmas markets. The father used to wholesale trees and he would go to different markets through the winter time when the landscape and season would be quiet. So um, I suppose from the time we could get up and go and kind of look around Christmas trees he brought us with us. So. Yeah, so I, I, was, I, was, I was surprised yeah. to find it goes so far back because you, yeah. you've opened up, um, you know, you're, you're selling here at the back of the Tullamore Court Hotel. We can give people details a bit later too. Um, I, say, I never realised it went as far back which uh, within the family too, but that's a kind of a key part of this. It's still a family business and they're locally grown Christmas trees. Yeah, they're locally grown. So to start, I suppose, for brother in Portlaoise, he grows um, noble furs, um, our supplier here in Offaly would be Tom Mooney. He's a wholesaler as well. He retails himself at the house. And we go down as far as Wexford then when we run low and can't get them locally and buy from Emerald Christmas trees down there. So it's all Irish. There's none of them imported. They're all brought in. The legs of the ones in Woody's or them places that can be, be cut a little bit too long, our ones are cut a lot fresher and when we need them. So that's what I'd always aim for. 
you don't want the customer coming back with a dried out tree in the middle of December. You're you're looking for trouble. Of and is is actually is that becoming is that a bigger challenge for people now because trees are sort of up a bit longer than they used to be. I mean, I mean, Correct. there was a time yeah, people used to put challenge. Christmas trees up very close to Christmas days. So yeah. you're looking at maybe a four or five week window now, are you? The ideal time, I suppose, to put them up is probably between the twelfth and fifteenth, but people won't wait. So I was getting phone calls. The night of the Thai show, all the day of the Thai show, I had about 10 or 15 missed calls. We need a real tree. I refused to sell them that week because... Okay. So I ended up putting off maybe five or ten of them. They came back this week to put up an artificial one for the night of the Thai show and came back this week by the wow. real one. Could sell them two trees actually, yeah. maybe one. That, that's really interesting actually that you know people are people are looking, but but that you refuse to sell it too early too. So that's a huge factor actually, the, whether they shed or that, that's a big part in the in the variety of tree that you actually choose and supply. Correct. A lot of the trees now are non-shed. No one goes with the old spruce. The old spruce was the one you see years ago outside the shops lying against the wall. You go in and pick one up, you bring it home. That was a Christmas week, Christmas tree. You could not put that up in early December. The minute the heat of the house hits it, it just turned into a skeleton afterwards. So yeah, I remember so, those ones. Yeah. I remember them well. And then you when you go to, to bring them out, you, yeah, you, yeah. Once, you, once they hit the door frames, any needles that were left on them totally were, were on the floor the as door. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is it about real trees, though, that like you, know, we can kind of, you can kind of sense that people are moving back towards looking at, they want that real tree. What is it about real trees that really, is it a nostalgia thing or are people seeing the actual benefits of it? No, to see the benefits of, I suppose, you bring a real tree into the house is, the biggest thing, I suppose, is the smell of the tree. The real Christmas tree, the piney smell off it. The traditional look. Now, they're getting the look years ago. The look wasn't as good on them. They're getting a lot more aesthetically better over the last few years. They're, they're changing the species of trees. The most popular one at the minute would be the Noble Fir and the Normandy. They're the two most. You had the pine and the spruce that you were talking about a few minutes ago. And just the Normandy are the most popular at the minute. And that's the appearance of them as well, as well as appearance, the fact that they need their attention and they just last, they will last the whole month if the temperature in the house isn't too high. You can put a water stand underneath them then to, just to bring the smell out and it'll, it'll preserve them that kind of week or two longer. So, yeah, the Normandy is the tree most people go for now. Yeah. Business is booming for you again. I know you have a tree or two in the back of the van outside here, right. ready to do deliveries afterwards. Heading but you room. you do offer a full delivery service and full even as far as set up. setting up as well. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So goes on all hours at night. But um, I'd open the shop at nine in the morning. We close at around seven. There's about maybe five or ten trees put into the back of the van, and I'm out delivering to different areas around the county. It's not just Tullamore we deliver. We go as far as Kilcarmock, Mowmelic, Geishel and bring in the tree, put the stand on it, stand it up in the sitting room, straighten it, and you're out the door then on to the next house. So it runs on for a good few hours. It's a hard few weeks' work, but it's worth it. And how long does it run? Is there a point where it gets nearly too late? Or, or, or are there still people who will put the tree up maybe in the week or the weekend before Christmas Day? I think it's a Monday this year. Yeah, it'll run very fairly busy up until about the 18th or 19th. And you get the tail end of them coming home for Christmas or putting trees up outside you know that kind of Christmas you know the Christmas buzz that kicks in Christmas week Yeah, you get lads popping them up and that gets rid of the last few I'd have in the yard so there's not too many of them wasted yeah, It's a busy time you can imagine do you rope uh, plenty of family members in I think do you? Yeah well I have my three sons I have my wife on board now all my workers out landscape and company come in and give me a hand setting up and taking it apart afterwards so it's good yeah I have good help 
just remind people um, where it is. It's near the Court Hotel in Tullamore. Um, there's a postcode, I think, for it that you could give out if people are looking for you. Correct. Uh, actually, I have it here, R35Y497, if you're looking for Lockman's Real Christmas Trees, and that's your social media handle as well, Instagram, Correct. Facebook, and all that type of stuff. So Lockman's Real Christmas Trees, uh, very easy to find them. There are plenty of stuff, activity on social media. I suppose for yourself, like in a landscape and business, it's 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 quite useful that you've got work for the guys this time of year. It's probably not the busiest time of the year for you, but I guess from whatever January, February, that all goes manic again, does it? Correct, yeah. End of January, although it's getting busier year on year now, but I suppose landscaping coming to November, December, January, there will be the three quietest months, and it's just a change. I like doing the, the Christmas trees, interacting with customers. I get a lot of work out of the Christmas tree business into the landscaping after people spot the van, the sign writing, they have me out in January pricing up a patio or putting in a hedge or any landscaping jobs outside. So it's a good good way of advertising the business I suppose as well that's fantastic and delivering a bit of Christmas cheer as well Correct. and I think I think that's yeah. you know, from the point of view of I guess you know I think a lot of people are probably looking at their artificial trees if they have them and they're probably questioning where is it coming from where is it made what's the actual lifespan out of it whereas you can pick a tree that was grown generally within the locality here you know and it can obviously be shredded afterwards and composted too so there's a Correct. lot to be said for yeah, it yeah. it's a lot more authentic or whatever yeah there is a lot of people switching back and it tends to travel through families. Then they'd have their friends over there, spot and they might go for one. I have a lot of new people. Like back at the start, I would have selling maybe 200 trees in Tullamore. Have it up to seven or 800 now. There's a lot of people around Tullamore town buying them. And they're going into urban houses. It's not all country. They're going in around the new housing estates in Tullamore. So, mm. yeah, they're picking up on it. It's going to continue the family yeah, tradition, hopefully. a bit like you are from your own yeah, father yeah, down, yeah. To, down to your own sons as well. Cahill, I think I better let you go because I know you have a couple of trees that deliver this evening, but it's in all the very best with it. Anyone, Lockman's Real Christmas Trees, you'll find Cahill and his team all over social media there. And they're at the back of Tullamore Court Hotel if you're looking to pick up that uh, locally grown Christmas tree and they bring that aroma, that shape, that quality into your room. Now, before I go, I have to kind of point out one thing. Um, when I arrived in this evening, there is, I think we could call it a bit of a Christmas tree um, erected in the newsroom now it hasn't been decorated yet but Cahill nearly fell over when he saw it so uh, um, yeah I think no comment is probably the best one on There's that it's a, a bit sick looking way. that's coming with me now. <laughs> thanks a million I don't know where I'm going to recycle it but we'll bring it yeah thanks a million Cahill yeah sure I think I, I think in fairness there's no argument against the real one when you see what's gone up here I'm, I'm going to post a picture of it on, on Instagram a little bit later and I'm going to declare uh, no confidence in that Christmas tree that's out there and uh, Cahill thankfully will, will uh, fix that for us time for a quick break after that I'll be joined by Kieran Malouli taking care of business with thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Coming up a little bit later, you'll hear about the fantastic community initiative in Ballycumber. They've, uh, in the last couple of years, raised significant funds to put up Christmas lights to start at the Christmas market last year. And it's back this year. And to say it's bigger and better is an understatement. Find out why a little bit later. Before that, though, my next guest is somebody who, if I just ask him to say hello and speak, you will know exactly who it is. He needs little by way of introduction, but I'll give him one anyway. Because Kieran Malouli was the Midlands correspondent with RT for over 30 years. And uh, he's now, he's recently launched his third book. It's called The Future Is Now, Life After RTE and stories of regeneration and renewal in rural Ireland because that is a topic and indeed a subject matter that is very close to, to his heart. A very good evening, Kieran. Ronan, uh, good evening and good evening to all your listeners. Kieran, I suppose um, when you announced a couple of years back that you were stepping away from RTE, I think you know, people would have noticed that uh, you took a lot of involvement in looking things like community enterprise and a lot of local things as well, particularly the whole thing around Just Transition Fund as well. 
Um, you, you you also said in the, in the start of your book, in the prologue, like you, the, the, the years of COVID, I suppose, taught you a lot in terms of driving the back roads, empty roads, you know, visiting nursing homes, filing reports for RTE as well. It was a tough time for many, many people and uh, essentially a time that maybe made you reflect on your career and what you could lend to your local community. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's a fair a, a summary of the situation, Ron. I suppose when we think back on the COVID years, we'll think first and foremost uh, uh, this evening or any time of the people who lost loved ones. And that's the, the, the big the big uh, uh, issue that will, will stay in our mind and we'll remember all, all over the years. But I suppose during the time when I was covering that, what I noticed going around the, the Midlands was how quiet everything had become, obviously, how desolate certain villages had become. And then we had the closure of ESB um, power stations, which happened uh, not, not far away from that. And I began to reflect on on the sort of Midlands where we were going to be left with, type of community we were going to be left with, and particularly in the business and economy infrastructure, we were going to be left with. Uh, because as you well know, uh, at the beginning of all this process, everybody in the Midlands knew that the peace harvesting days was coming to an end, coming to a conclusion. Uh, but uh, we thought uh, mistakenly that we had 10 years uh, to see it fade out, when in fact, in the end, the people in Shannon Bridge and up in my own part of the country in Lanesboro just about 10 months to see it disappear. Yeah, it came to kind of a, a sudden conclusion. But I think even if you go back to the 1980s, though, and parts of Bordenamona's long-term strategy, there were indicators that, yes, there was a finite time on it. But um, that kind of, I suppose, that kind of dereliction and almost uh, the the loss of people and sort of some, some and life almost from our country towns, that obviously, you, you must have spotted that happening way before, I suppose, the, the whole closure of Bordenamona came in. Yeah, I did. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, I suppose it's 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 a common theme um, when you in in rural Ireland when when facilities are being affected or being are being undermined. You know, closure of guard stations one that comes to mind, closure of post offices, and population trends and populations uh, populations moving. But um, I don't be too negative about it. I mean, there have been lots of positive attempts over the course of the last twenty years by very strong community development groups throughout Leash, Offaly, Westmead and, and, and the region to try and get a grip on this. We've been campaigning, and I've been in community groups myself, we've been campaigning for better facilities, better infrastructure, the better train lines. And to some degree, there has been uh, some improvements. You know, certainly the infrastructure to Dublin has improved. The train lines have improved. I think the local link bus services are, are also improving now uh, in mo- most of the counties. Uh, lots of work to do, but uh, that's one good thing that's emerged in just transition is that uh, we are going to have funding and a lot of funding available in the next few years to try and invest in rebuilding the region now. And, you know, you, you played a huge role in terms of, you know, that initial just transition, like the, there was a public consultation post process where people could make submissions to it. Um, did you did you find that that campaign raised the awareness? Like, you know, are people in the Midland maybe actually acutely aware of the potential of the opportunities that just transition can can present for the area? Yeah, I think the answer to that question, Ron, is that they are becoming aware of it. And, and I was one of the people who has been is jumping up and down for the last two years saying, you know, we have got to get involved in the consultation process. We've got to get involved in the discussion process, make these decisions. I mean, just transition came, came from Europe. The Germans have been doing it. They had 28 years to say goodbye to their coal mines. But this funding has been coming through for some time. And the big challenge for us all in Leach and Offaly and Westmead and throughout the region is to ensure that we're on the train, that we get in there among the, the opportunity to, to avail of the funding and try to rebuild the region. And I think particularly in tourism at the moment is perhaps a good example of it because we have um, up to 17 million 
of euros of just transition tourism funding coming out in the next uh, six to 12 months and aimed at uh, people who want to get into that sector, who may have been involved a little perhaps over the, in the past in terms of bicycles, uh, trails, maybe a bit of boat hire, angling, tourism. Now there's going to be very, very decent funding available for people who are ready to go out there, maybe take the chance, open some accommodation, uh, build on, extend what they're, what they're doing already. And I think that message has to go out to people now that, you know, 17 million is a lot of money for just five or six counties. It's not the entire country. It's, it's especially targeted for our neck of the, neck of the, of the, of the woods. And over the coming uh, week, couple of months, actually, you're going to hear more about it every week in Offaly and Leash and Westmead as, as seminars come around and the public are asked to come forward with expressions of interest for the new uh, tourism funding from uh, in Falch, Ireland. It's specifically aimed running at a grant aid scheme for private and community small and medium industry, industries and enterprises. So it's going to be available. There's an opportunity in the next six months to put in an expression of interest before June in most of the categories, and then there'll be a period up to Christmas next year to apply properly. And I'm looking forward to it. I think a lot of people are looking forward to it because there are some really, really strong projects out there. Uh, during the first phase of Just Transition, which was the state project, uh, we've seen some of them coming forward. A marvellous project involving new, a new vessel for the River Shannon and Shannon Bridge. Lovely projects in, 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 Kil- in Kilcormac and Tullamore as well. And uh, I think people have to take a leap of faith now. They've got to come forward with those ideas and those suggestions because we're never going to have the number of jobs we had again in Bordenamona. That's, that's a fact. We never have the number of jobs we had or the high quality pay, I have to say, either that went with those jobs. But we have to start embracing what we have going strong for us in the Midlands. And that's our natural resources, the River Shannon in particular and the, the, the countryside we have. And I think some, most people are waking up to that fact at the moment and we're going to see a lot of activity, positive activity in the coming year. Do you think a lot of the submissions and you know, maybe the, the little businesses or ventures that will, that will arise from this will be those kind of small scale local efforts or would, is there potential for, say, a centre parks type facility to be built in Offaly or in Leash or Westmead? Like, could, could we see the boundaries being pushed? Not, not necessarily with just transition fund, but could the smaller projects help aid another big major project? Because like centre parks is going under 100 million euro extension. It's one of the most successful, I think, if not the most successful location they have as part of the group. That's right. Fantastic news from Centre Parks only in the last uh, two weeks or so. But I mean, you have to look back and ask, why, why is it a success? Why did they choose where they've chosen in the middle of the country? Um, they, they did it for two principal reasons. They did it because of the presence of the woodland. That was the forestry. They found that site uh, at the right place at the right time. Okay, geographically, it was fairly, very centrally located as well. They want to avail of business from up north as well as from down south. And they chose it. But, uh, you know, when, when you speak to people in Centre Parks, as I have done, in the last couple of weeks, you realise that you know there are opportunities for others in the area to avail of the passing traffic, so to speak. Uh, and, that, and, and I think there, there will be other opportunities for people to avail of the, of, 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 so as you might call it, the, the, the rising uh, tide bringing all boats with it. Uh, I hope and I, I believe that other parts of the Midlands will, will be chosen for major tourism projects in the coming months. You're right, Ron, when you say that the initial jobs in tourism will be small numbers and will be um, you know, stretched out right across the region. But I'm, I'm one of the people who believes that if Centre Parks can make a decision that a forest near Ballymahan in County Longford is good enough to invest over $300 million in, then I, I can't see why that can't happen elsewhere, such as the power of the natural resources we have in the region.
I think, yeah, I think there's a key message there that people, you know, even locally need to become really aware of is looking at what we actually have. You know, there's no point looking at what some other country has because it could be a totally different landscape, different topography. Look at what we have and the opportunities it presents. Even things like dark sky tourism is something that people probably never heard of up until recently. But actually there's people who seek out parts of the world where they can go and camp or stay for a few nights where they can actually just see the stars because with light pollution elsewhere. So like there's opportunities there that maybe people just aren't aware of. You know, if you ever went over or during the winter period and went for one of those one of those special runs with Jonathan O'Mara and his crew, his team up at Kennedy Castle, one of those nighttime runs, you just you just find it incredible to think you were still in Ireland. You you just find it extraordinary what a, the beauty of the place and and the and the uniqueness of what's going on there. I mean, I, I think projects like that can be put together for relatively small uh, funding and can be supported. That's one of the good things about the Just Transition Tourism funding coming from Polish Ireland. That, that, that 17 million, there's going to be an awful lot of micro grants in that as well. That's less than 10,000 euro in some some cases and no matching funding would be required. So, you know, a, a tourism project, I'll be a small project, can be given the kickstart uh, with, a, with a grant of, of up to 10,000 euro. And I think it's up to every parish and every community group to get stuck in now. We've got to stand up to the place and say, listen, we've, we've whinged and cried for long enough, Ron, we've about complained about what was happening the the the, power, the bogs are gone uh, in terms of in terms of industry and, and the economy. Power stations uh, similarly. Um, it was quite eerie going past the power station in Eden Derry uh, yesterday uh, and and seeing the, the smoke puffing from us. The last the last one now. I'm not sure how long it's going to last either in the future. But we have to we have to face up to the challenges in front of us. And I I'm one of the people who say you know grasp the train that is coming. That's the just transition one. Get in there. Get your idea coming forward. Try and get planning permission for what you have something in mind. Get your expression of interest in before June of, of, the, of next year and avail of the funding that's there because it's the only show in town at the moment. And, and again, like, even things like that, if it's, if it's not match funding, it, it is a unique opportunity maybe to get your hands on somebody that could be, and like, that could be a full-time business, have in mind. it could even be a seasonal one. I think it's really to look at all the opportunities and try and try and catch them. Um, before I let you go, Kieran, and uh, I'll give, get more details of the book in a minute, but I suppose we mentioned Board in the Moment there are a lot in the Just Transition and I think really they have to be credited with the transition they have made in terms of moving from peat, right, into their kind of renewables, the waste management, you know, and they're a very innovative company and, you know, in turn are increasing the, the number of people that are working for them year on year. If I refer you back to your, your former employer as well, it's facing like a major restructuring over the coming years. Would you have faith that they, it will be as successful maybe as what Borden Amona have gone through? Well, I, th- I think uh, what Bordemont have proven uh, in, in the last uh, f- few months in particular is that when you uh, face, face up to the, to the challenge coming down the line and when you put the strategic management in place and, and, and uh, prepare properly with a plan, government will respond. That's what's happened uh, on this occasion. And Bordemont know where the future is now. They know what they will be funded for going forward by government. And they know uh, what they can do uh, successfully based on what they did. I mean, there was a terrific picture on social media this week of new, new entrepreneurs coming out of Port Namona, uh, former uh, workers there, you, the, some of the young crop who, who left the bogs and left the peat harvesting sector and have now set out with new ideas, great new ideas, uh, enterprises, social enterprises coming forward. And, and, you know, the Midlands has always been good for this. We have always had people with good, strong business ideas, perhaps needed some funding in the past. I mean, you mentioned the book I've been around about this week for the first time in nearly two years on most of Offaly and Leash. Uh, I was down in, in 
Shannon Bridge and Bor and all that country and back into Port Leisha yesterday. But when you go around, you meet the people who have the ideas. People like Tom Doolan there with that fantastic felicitation in Blue Ball. A person who will talk to you all day about business ideas, how to get awfully moving again, how to get the country moving again. These people have a wealth of experience and we have to listen to them. We have to give them the opportunity to come forward with ideas. Boardroom on it took a long time to turn, turn the ship, but they have turned it now and they are making progress uh, going forward. And I think RTE are going to learn uh, in the coming weeks and months that, you know, actions are going to speak louder than words in their own. We're going to have to see what the new shape of RTE is in management, in terms of personnel. We've got to see if they're going to follow up with, with their promises to make changes, with actual changes in the new year. And I mean uh, presenters and, and, and large salaries disappearing as well. This is what the public wants to see because people will not to buy into it and, and buy their television license unless they see that this ship has been turned around as well, that people realise uh, the error of the ways and, the, and they realise that going forward they have to have a different focus, a very different focus and I think we're seeing some evidence already that that is going to be the case. And, you get a, a, and a bit like Board of Mona, an absolute clarity on, on where it's going, what's needed and what it will need from government and from all the stakeholders, you know, and that is obviously the basis of any successful organisation. But Kieran, I'm going to have to let you go because I'm way overrunning as well. And uh, But thank you so much for that too. And I think, look, you've, you've, you've laid it out loud and clear. There is an opportunity for particularly tourism businesses across the Midlands. It's up to people now to reach out and try and grasp it. But uh, Kieran, no doubt we'll be talking about it again in the future. Thank you so much. No problem. Good evening. That's, of course, Kieran Malouli, their former RT correspondent. And I say, look, at really laying it there, really laying it bare. There's a massive opportunity for Midlands to develop itself um, in tourism and in all kind of aspects of business there with the Just Transition Fund up until June next year to lodge, uh, you know, uh, to lodge your kind of an outline application there and see if, you, if you potentially your project could be funded on it. Get working on that now. Find out about it and try and drive forward there. Kieran's book, of course, is available on Amazon now and it's in lots of local bookshops there as well. It's called The Future Is Now. Uh, look it up. Um, certainly worth a read and it's full of anecdotes and reflections on his on his over 25 years as an RTE correspondent. Time for a short break. After that, find out the amazing stuff that's happening in a local community in Ballycumber. Taking care of business. With thanks to the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly and Westmead. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business. Ballycumber in County Offaly in the last census 2016 it had it down as about 801 people live in the village as a couple of very famous uh, residents Simon Casey has both been one and of course Tom Grennan like a, a man whose star is rising globally has his roots in Ballycumber and of course I better mention our very own Nellie Duncan as well so Ballycumber is a kind of an up and coming happening little place especially at Christmas that over the last couple of years there's been big campaigns to get, to get money to get Christmas lights around the village and then last year there was an idea of having a Christmas market and uh, one person who was kind of heavily involved in that with Sean Kennedy and he's sitting opposite me now. Sean, why a Christmas market in Ballycumber? Well, Ronan, again, thanks very much for having us on. Um, a Christmas market in Ballycumber, a group has got together last year about five, six weeks before Christmas and um, we were sort of saying, you know, what's going on in other towns and villages and the Tullamore Christmas market was going on. So we said if Tullamore can't have it at Lone, if at Lone can have it, um, Moat can have it why can't Ballycumber so that's where it started from so within five weeks last year we had a market up and going and um, uh, 12 stall holders at it with the help from uh, Frank Moore in the municipal district here in Tullamore uh, we got the marquees through them we got funding small bit of funding last year for them that came in this year and helped us out greatly uh, this year with ours so yeah, so. I was like anything you might reflect and say, right, do we do the same again next year? Do we kind of, you know, do we go and look and aim a bit bigger? And to say that you've gone a bit bigger this year is, 
probably the understatement of the season. Small, How many stalls at the minute yeah. have you... This is, it's taking place this weekend. It's taking place weekend. this Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Saturday the night. Um, we, we said we'd grow it a small bit from last year. So we had 12 stall holders last year and we have 32 this year. So an extra 20 stalls. So, yeah, it's very, very... It's uh, really exciting, actually. It's really exciting. But we have uh, two great committees out in Ballycumber to do with Christmas. The Christmas Lights Committee um, and the Christmas Market Committee. About 20 people involved. And when we sort of took it over, I suppose, well, not took it over, sort of progressed it about five years ago, um, we, everyone's around the same age. We wanted the best. We have small kids, you know, so we progressed it on to what it is today. So hopefully bigger and better than again next year. And you're talking marquees. You're talking a huge, big setup as well. Take us through the layout. Like, what is, what's it going to look like for anyone that's going to go? Okay, so in uh, Gavin's car park, the corner house car park in Ballycumber, it's a big rectangular car park. And uh, we have three quarters of it covered in marquees. Um, so all the stall holders will be inside there. And then there's a small bit of a yard in front of the marquees where we'll have Kieran Stewart from Supermax here in Tullamore. Kieran's coming out and he's doing a Ballycumber Christmas market special for kids and stuff like that. And then we have Ian Carroll, who I know you, it was on your show before, um, the ice cream peddler. He's coming out as well, doing some... Warm paninis with Bailey's ice cream, I think. Well, so. I was going to say, it's never too cold for ice cream no, either, never. for playing <laughs> and again, under a great business. That that sounds absolutely phenomenal. Give us some yeah. of the details too, I suppose, in terms of when it's opening and um, you know anything else that's happening in it. Okay, so you'll see, any, anyone that's passing by Gavin's will see uh, the marquees going up, hopefully on Thursday, evening Thursday, and uh, they'll be up and uh, on Friday finished on Friday. Uh, Kieran Stewart is coming out on Friday evening as well. He's going to feed the uh, locals out there with uh, takeaway stuff on Friday night from 6 to 10. And then on Saturday morning, uh, we'll fill it with tables and lights and buntings and stuff like that. And then from 4 o'clock, our market is on. So from about 3 o'clock, people will be coming out and setting up. And 4, 4 o'clock to 9 o'clock is our market time. So, yeah. Absolutely incredible. And I suppose for people to follow as well, kind of social media is the place to be. What's your kind of handle or how can we how can we find you? Yeah, social media was massive for us this year. We went live and we do a 50-50 drought in Ballycumber every week to fund the market and to fund the lights as well. So um, it's Ballycumber Christmas Lights on Facebook and it's Ballycumber Christmas Lights on Instagram. Very simple as that. Yeah, Look, at, it's absolutely brilliant. phenomenal. I'm going to say to you, like, if you can just match that next year, that, that's incredible. But I think... The previous guest, uh, as we all know, Kieran Maluli, I mean, he's making that point for communities, for local groups, for local people with ideas to just get up and actually try it. You've clearly done that in Ballycumber and I'm sure even locally there must be a lovely sentiment then seeing that's happening on people's doorsteps. Yeah, well, there's a huge buzz in Ballycumber at the moment. Every week coming up to the Christmas market and the turning on of the lights, there's a massive buzz. People are... People love to get down and interact with other people. They probably they won't, they wouldn't see... Everyone's lives are so busy nowadays. They they, won't, they wouldn't see each other from Monday to Friday. But um, the Christmas market brings everyone out. Kids, um, older people, people our own age. And again, that's the enthusiasm that um, of the two committees. You know, there's 20 people involved in two committees and it's absolutely phenomenal yeah, out there. You absolutely. Know? You know, it's a credit to you all and it shows what can be done as well when, when good people get together. Sean, all the very best. But it sounds like it's going to be a rip-roaring success anyway. And uh, enjoy your weekend and, and thanks a million for coming in this evening. That's Sean and Kenny. They're part of the groups that are organising that Christmas market in Ballycumber and indeed the Christmas lights as well.
that's where you go there's people taking action showing what can be done as well in our local towns and villages thank you all for listening as always I'll be back next week from 7pm big thanks to Kieran Maluli there for his piece around half seven also Cahal Lockman telling that wonderful story of the Christmas trees and that a business that has grown from his father to himself and he's as it sounds passing it on to his generation too and of course at the start of the show I had Dermot Condren from Mercer Technologies scooping that major European award for, for their um, immersive VR technologies too great stuff happening across the Midlands as always but I always telling you that anyway Joe Cooney here after eight. Talk to you next week. Care of Business returns next Tuesday at 7 p.m. with the local enterprise offices of Leash, Offaly, and Westmeath. Find us on localenterprise.ie and let's talk business.